Welcome to the Loop Podcast. I'm Fran, Global Head of Demand Gen at Cognizant, and I am delighted to be joined by Laura, Head of ABM at Advanced. So welcome, Laura. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, Fran. Excited to be here. Great. Um, so just to give our listeners a little bit of context, um, so this podcast, like we want to have like a super valuable conversation around ABM. So to kick us off, it'd be great to kind of understand how you view ABM advanced. It can mean like different things to different people. So how how is that currently um, ran like at your company? Okay, so I mean, that's an interesting point that it means different things to different people. Um, we you'll hear people talk a lot about a blended approach and it seems really structured of one-to-one, one-to-few and one-to-many. But actually, mm-hmm. over my career, I found that it doesn't even need to be as structured as that. For instance, sometimes we might run one one-to-one campaign, sorry, account, and it may be from full end-to-end, full sales cycle. Other plays we might do are deal-based or pursuit, where we just support an account on a one-to-one capacity just for mm. that deal cycle so it's in pipeline we need to do a surround and we need to help move it through the pipeline so mm-hmm. we do a mixture dependent on what our pipeline looks like what resources we have what priorities we have and we are quite flexible with our approach to abm okay cool so there's not i guess there's not one uh set play or, or like process it's almost trying to be as agile to kind of fit the needs of I guess like the accounts at the time or like where the business is at the time absolutely and also it depends on the maturity of the organization to support ABM so um we're an enterprise the sales cycles are can be 18 months long um and we're reporting annually so it can be difficult to get alignment with the rest of the organization to do that full mm-hmm. end-to-end ABM. It's also really resource intensive, cost intensive. So we probably find our sweet spot is more around a deal-based play at our one-to-one account level. Okay, yeah, I see. Because we um so recently we've been talking about this at Cognizant, um around introducing ABM for the enterprise playbook that we're looking to roll out. Sure. Um and I, to be honest, like I did when I was looking at that and putting it together, I, that's the first thing that I thought of was like the one-to-one, like the one-to-few, the one-to-many, thinking about how we could attract like new deals into pipe, essentially. But then upon like speaking to sales, like their biggest pain right now was, our, you know, so for an SME company, our deal cycles like for, can be as, as little as 30 days. Yeah. But for these larger enterprise companies, it's moving from like that to be, between like four and six months so the um sort of sales team was, was saying or our enterprise sales manager was saying actually we could really do with some help there which I hadn't actually even really considered at the time um and I guess just like unpacking that then how how do you go about marketing to an account that's in deal um like what would that look like as a process okay so we think about how can we add value to that account how can we help push it through the funnel and a lot of that is around engaging with the dmu so what i always do at the start is i do a digital surround so i make sure to have all the content that's relevant if it's 
a vert I'll usually do that at a vertical level to kick off with so if it was a legal firm I'd make sure that that account was getting all the relevant legal ads and content that we've created on LinkedIn so it's that first step is that sort of it's almost like a light touch and then what we would do is create that comms plan for the DMU um very bespoke for that account so with enterprise you're you have quite a large DMU so you might have a CFO you might have an HRD for me it's a CISO or a CIO so I would think about okay well what's important to those people and I would map out for each person on that decision making unit what their key pain points are and what sort of messaging we've got to address that and I would treat them all individually and message them all differently also sales enablement is really important so if sales have already got relationships with those contacts, then it's about mm-hmm. giving them the right content to share with them so that we don't look disjointed. So we can almost come at them from both angles. Sometimes mm-hmm. I think it's really helpful for sales to, I will, I'll alert them to any content we shared to say, oh, hey, guess what? Um, our team sent this out. I wonder if this is um, relevant to you. Think think this would be interesting. Other things I do, if we don't want them to know that we're ABMing them as such, I'll maybe do some really bespoke content, which I know just talks to them, but make it look as if it's not just for them and send it to them. And that way they're getting that real bespoke experience, but they almost don't know it. I think there's a balance. If I was marketing to a customer, I'd probably brand it up with the logo and let them know that it was us speaking to them because obviously there's value in that. They know us, we've got a relationship so with customer it's a bit different whereas with new business there can be some sort of reasons why you might not want them to know that you're marketing to them maybe it's to do with the tender process for instance so a lot of what we do is around enabling that relationship with sales and their key contacts really moving the needle tracking where we're moving that needle so making sure that sales are linked up to them on LinkedIn, making sure we're providing content for them to share on LinkedIn, making sure Mm -hmm. that we are enabling sales to have the right conversations with them, providing sales with the collateral that they need to have a meaningful conversation as opposed to just picking up the phone and saying, hey, how are you doing? It's, hi, Mm -hmm. have you seen this recent report? This talks to some of the pain points that we've spoken about in the past. So a lot around that, um, a lot around that building and deepen relationships with the decision making unit. Okay, cool. That makes sense. Um, yeah. Wait, sorry, were you going to say something else? I don't think so. You don't think so? Okay, cool. Didn't want to interrupt because that was like really good. Um, really interesting. Um, I just um, thinking about like the relationship with sales. Um, how like just I guess like taking a step back from actually delivering the content how does that work between like sales and marketing so I guess like just laying those foundations like how do you choose the accounts like how regularly do you catch up how um because I I feel like it's quite it can be quite difficult right and I think the most important thing is choosing the right accounts if you're going to invest a lot of resource and you've not chose the right account it's almost wasted so we have a process where we have waiting um on each account that we're putting forward for an ABM approach. So we will score it based on things that might be um, scored against our, are they a current customer? Yes or no. Are they happy with us? Yes or no. Do we know who the DMU are? Do we have any contacts that know who they are? Um, mm. Are they detractors? 
yes or no um does our solution actually fit would it add value yes or no so you almost pinpoint all of these scores pinpoint all of this and then what it will come back with as a score on which is the best fit there's always I mean that's the process but there's always sales who have an idea as well and they say well actually I know this says all this however I know that there's a project coming up because I've spoken to x y and z so there's always that little bit of um I'm not sure the word that I'm looking for but that sort of sales acumen where they've got their ear to the ground so you have to be a bit flexible on that and yeah we probably do a monthly cadence um with the full ABM team so that won't just be um sales and marketing and it might be um our solution architects it might be with our MD to really it's a full team to really take a look at the account what we're doing a rag status have we all completed the actions from last time and then I will have a one-to-one with the account managers every week to just talk about any movement on the account do we need to pivot and I can talk to them about some tactics that I think that we should be using I can give them some content and we can really just be focused on the here and now what changes have happened in the last week and how do we react to those Mm -hmm. um yeah that makes total sense and I think like as you're saying um as you were saying it I was thinking the it's like the ABM, the whole ABM play in itself, like doesn't just come from marketing or sales. It's, it must kind of be that top down um, strategy, I suppose. Because I guess if you don't have buy in on a sort of senior leadership business level, then I guess like it doesn't really, um, it's not like a program that you can move along as easily, I suppose. And something that I've had at other businesses is we've said, let's do ABM, but we haven't necessarily had that buy-in. And it's always the thing that gets deprioritized because it's the thing that takes the longest. And it's also, it's it can have like a very high impact when done well. But um, I think like sometimes you can get that sort of notion from leadership I think it's it's about managing expectations so if you're going to run an ABM program you're not going to see those quick results um that are otherwise more difficult to measure it takes a longer time and if you're going to run an ABM program there's another area that's going to suffer because you can't do it all so it's almost about what does that fit look like maybe the option the option that I find works really well is to run a pilot with a really good account with a salesperson who's really on board and who will sing about it if it does well. So I would do okay. one really well. I probably wouldn't choose one that was end-to-end, as in it's not even in pipeline yet, because that's going to take a long time to come to fruition, and then you've got a long time to wait until you've had some success. So I would choose one that was a bit further along the sales cycle. Maybe it is a deal-based play. Maybe it's something that you can get some quick wins and show your value at the start. So, for instance, what I always do if I kick off an ABM account is I create an insight document for the sales team, mm-hmm. um, for the wider team. And it ta- it basically pulls together information on, um okay so what's the account's business objectives and how do we help them achieve that with what we're doing what are their values and how do we align with their values and okay what's some history of the account what's important to them and you're able to provide that to sales and they see that as a real value add at the start you maybe want to pull information on the dmu so what does that um dmu tree look like 
where are these people active is it on linkedin yes or no are they active do they share posts not really um are they active on email have they been emailed with anything in the past check our crm and see how engaged they are so it's about saying okay well these are the people we want to contact and this is the best way to contact them so straight away you're showing value to sales and that works really well. So it's thinking about what are the quick wins you can do at the start to get sales talking. And it's a constant education with sales around the value you are adding because they forget, people forget. So it's always reiterating, okay, well, this is where we started and this is how far we are and and this is where we're moving the needle. Yeah, I was going to ask actually on that, how do you, with something like that, where it's it could be you sharing some like really valuable insights with sales or setting up um, some really relevant like ads to like penetrate that account that's in deal. Um, how do you report like back upwards in terms of like, well, actually just quite simply, what does the reporting look like for ABM? Like, what do you actually report on? So it can be quite manual. It depends how your company's set up. So yeah. Um, I have so every couple of weeks I get together with the sales team and on our all our pipeline accounts I report on where we're moving the needle so I have um someone in the digital team who will let me know if they're following our account um even if you go it's quite manual if you go on sales nav you can see if the account that you're looking at has engaged with any of your ads you can see if they've been on your website so I pull data from that also look at um, Google Analytics, LinkedIn Pixel, um, or even if I've got an intent platform like Tech Target, I can see if they've been on our website. Mm-hmm. And I would pull data from that. And then I have a really good sales ops team. So they pull data from Marketo. Um, so it's an interesting moments report, we call it. And if they do okay. anything like sign up for one of our webinars, if they attend one of our events, not if they open an email, but if they click into an email, these will all flag as magic moments. So um, every two weeks, I'm sharing an, an update on where we've penetrated that account and where we've built those relationships so that I can show value in what we're doing. And that's proven really, really popular. Wow, okay. It's manual. Yeah. Um, some other organizations may be set up, so you've got dashboards for all this. So a lot of it seems quite manual yeah. at the minute, but it's really valuable. Yeah, we... Um... It's, it's interesting because we've, we've done something similar, like in not from an ABM approach, but we've in reporting back upwards when we sort of stopped uh, gating our content and collecting leads, like we had to find like a different way to kind of show the value that we would bring in, like through like a demand gen approach. And quite often we'll do things like create videos um, of like qualitative feedback, like comments on posts or emails saying this content's great or we found cognizant like really valuable. And it's like, it's weird because it is quite manual, like getting all of that together. But it's, as you said, it's a really good way to kind of showcase the touch points, but also like the the positive highlights. Yeah, I think as marketers, we've moved away from um, form fills as the only form of engagement or yeah. um, we've also moved away, like you said, from gating things. So um, I'm okay with that. I think there's nothing worse than gating content so that you can track who's consumed it. I just don't mm. think that's the way to market. We should be making things as easy as possible for prospects because when they are ready to buy, they'll let us know. So our job, I think, is to educate them and provide them with what they need to make their workflow decision-making process easier. So um, for me, we need to dig about a bit right now. There's so many different ways for them to consume our content. That's what makes it really difficult to track. 
It's not just opening and clicking on emails anymore. There's so many other ways where we can reach our um, prospects, which is positive, but then we need to find a way of tracking it, which is challenging. Yeah, most definitely. Um, On that, actually, just thinking, um, when I was thinking about doing ABM when I started out in marketing, like, well, longer than I care to admit, (laughs) many years ago. But um, there were so many tools, right? So there's so many solutions that come along and they're like, they position themselves as like a one-stop sort of ABM solution. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, have have you like come across any like specific ABM tools that you think are useful or is it, I don't know, like something that you just... I see a lot of agencies and companies and intent companies saying that their tool is for ABM, but I think that nine times out of ten, it's not for that one-to-one real traditional ABM approach. I think it's for that more programmatic or one-to-few, and these tools can work really well. I don't think there's a tool for ABM. I think it's with your ABM approach, how are you using the tools? So for me, for one-to-one, intentionally important. So I'll use someone, we use Tech Target. Mm-hmm. So Tech Target allow me to track the intent. So I'm able to, for all of my pipeline accounts or deal-based ABM one-to-one accounts, go in and see, okay, well, what is it that they're interested in? What are the keywords they're searching on? And then I'm able to plug that data into whether it's my intent document. But this should be an ongoing thing. I'll have a weekly email to sales letting them know what their accounts are interested in. So if they're they're interested in um, cyber attacks, I'll be able to say, look, this is top of mind for this account. When you reach out to them, make sure you're building into your content our security piece, whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. So for me, I don't think there's an ABM platform I think it's there's different ways to use the technology we've got and build it into how you're approaching ABM yeah that makes sense yeah total sense um and then just I guess what I've just actually thought which I didn't ask at the beginning which now would be very useful to know when you are thinking like how's your team actually structured right now so like the the demand gen like the marketing team do you have like people that focus on ABM like managers that focus on ABM or is it something that everybody on the team looks after it's a good question um I look after the one-to-one piece and then okay. people in my team will look after that one-to-few and programmatic so our one-to-few might be a specific industry where we have been really successful in. so we might want to put more resource more time more budget into market into that vertical or we may choose a persona. Um, if it's a CIO, then we might want to run a CIO campaign, put some budget mm-hmm. into that. We've recently launched a CIO book club where anyone on our pipeline or customer has been invited to join the book club and select a hard copy book every quarter that they will receive. So that's been a really nice relationship yep. builder. We're not asking for anything in return. We're just giving something back and we're just building the relationship. So that would be our one to few our one to many, um, those are our that's our sort of programmatic ABM, I would say. So that's where we cover all industries that would fit our ICP. And that's where my digital marketer comes in. She would do industry specific content. 
as well right. as support on the one-to-one piece. So we're probably structured with myself looking after the team and looking after that one-to-one piece, campaign mm-hmm. manager looking at verticals and products, and then digital supporting across the board with whatever we need for our campaigns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think, yeah, it definitely makes sense with the sort of like the one-to-one the like the one to one kind of stuff. Obviously, that's like going to be a lot richer, like a lot more time-intensive um so I guess like that's something that you would want to be close to like given like yeah it's my background so um I've always run one-to-one ABM campaigns as well as Mm. um demand gen so it's really resource intensive too so I would say that one ABM someone managing the one-to-one accounts is probably three to four is a max you could run at any one time you're almost a day a week for them but then you've got that day to wrap up report in because yeah. it's one thing doing all the work and you can get really bogged down with executing and churning out the content and webinars whatever your tactics are but actually I think you need a day of headspace for reporting planning and actually thinking about what do you want to do what what does good look like for you a bit of time to actually think about why you're doing something and planning it out yeah definitely um I think as well, I suppose like I was curious as to, um, so a lot of our um, actions, um, so our, our core ICP, like they, they do hang out on LinkedIn. So it's kind of like we target our audience, like where they hang out. We're like marketers, marketing to marketers, like they're one of our core personas. So yeah. like LinkedIn is a great place for us to kind of get that traction. Um, I've, I've been asking the team a little bit to push, to push themselves on um what can we do that's kind of like outside the, like what we call kind of like the LinkedIn bubble because you're obviously only reaching like so many people that go on to LinkedIn and it, we've noticed like there's a kind of sweet spot of people that we engage with on LinkedIn but then there's also like a lot of people that we don't reach who aren't maybe aren't as active and I suppose like do you have any like favorite actions or um, successful campaigns that you've run that don't necessarily sit on paid that sit outside of that yeah and I guess that's when we think about the full approach you're right most people are on LinkedIn so it's a really easy one for marketers to fall back on and think about okay well let's do some LinkedIn so yeah we always every time we've got some content that's valuable we will always put it organic and we will always um do sponsored content around it I'll also do some retargeting I don't know if you've used LinkedIn pixel but um I'll retarget people that have landed and put the ads in front of them. But we'll also do some stuff around um, email, hard copy. I know emails are challenging. And you know what? It's funny. I almost I almost really devalued email in our company. I was like, look, it doesn't get through firewalls. Um, there's so many emails going. It just gets flagged as spam. I'm not keen. I really want to put most of our time and resource into LinkedIn. And then we actually ran um, an online summit um, last January and most of our registrations came from email. And I think that was a real lesson for me because I was just making presumptions because I don't really use email and I'm more active on LinkedIn. But actually, the proof is in the pudding, right? Most registrants came from LinkedIn. So I would still do, I would still use email. Sometimes I send emails from Outlook to our and main pipeline account so that I don't um so that I don't come up against spam walls so I do that Mm -hmm. 
Um, I think about other things like the book club. I email people and ask them to register for it and I put it on LinkedIn. But actually, what I sometimes do is send that hard copy out as well with a note to say, hey, thought you'd be interested in this. If you want to sign up to join the regular sort of cadence of books being sent out, just click here. So I think it's about um, it's about testing other things. It's really difficult to say what's going to work for a specific sort of audience, but it's about testing things and just seeing what works. And then if it fails, then fail fast, don't do it again. But if it doesn't, <laughs> then ramp up that. I don't know if I've got any silver bullet um, advice on that, though other than look at the traditional means like email and direct mail yeah yeah it makes sense I think um yeah I think we similarly for email like it's something that we I guess yeah maybe like devalued is is the right word we 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 sort of went sort of hard on sort of ads and and did quite a lot of stuff on LinkedIn and we we kind of just realized that we just needed to rethink it so we introduced like our email nurtures on demand so now like if we send an email um the link every email goes to the same landing page and it has every email that we've sent yeah so in the sequence so people can kind of read it at their own leisure so they're not just like reading it at the time that we send it like and then two days later we think they're going to be interested in reading another email so it's kind of like a one-stop shop for for them to consume like everything that we want to kind of say to them um and we've seen like some great responses with that I think also it's for me it's not about lesson in what you do on LinkedIn it's about how do you stand out in that marketplace on LinkedIn so for me it would be about testing okay do videos work better then okay let's make sure we're creating more videos do carousel ads work better great make them all carousel so I think that LinkedIn does become a crowded marketplace so I think it's about always pushing to do something different do something better do something a bit more innovative like remember breakout ads at one point they were really engaging so I think yeah. about testing all of these um tactics and then thinking about what works best also sales enablement I see some companies where and we haven't done it here but you enable sales to create videos to reach out to um prospects on LinkedIn mm-hmm. so how do you enable them to do that is it holding a training session where you let them know um tips and tricks on how to video at home so don't wear a stripy shirt and don't have a jazzy background with posters you know it's about building sales confidence to do these types of things that cut through the traffic as well yeah yeah definitely um yeah completely makes sense I think especially that again it's like that alignment with sales piece like going back like providing them with what they need to kind of do it with ease because I often find that if we just kind of said to sales, we're doing some ABM, it would just, they would either come back with a hundred ideas and we can't do everything or they would, wouldn't know like kind of where to start. So it's almost that handholding process of providing the collateral, the advice, even if it is just like, this is how we want you to like record the video. Here's an outline of a script that you can use and adapt. And I guess it's um something that sales can be involved in, but then it's like, not taking away too much time on the phone as well because we get that a lot we don't want to be taking them outside of call times yeah. um or prospecting times um yeah I think that sales enablement is really important how do you make it easy mm-hmm. for sales to serve serve um I think sometimes as a marketer you think well this is what I'm going to provide and sales need to go find it and use it but in my experience mm-hmm. 
I would rather spend a bit more time laying things out for them really easy so that they use it and we see results for it. So I think it's about thinking, okay, well, how confident are sales and how do we enable that piece? We've before got people, external companies in to give in LinkedIn training. So let's make sure everyone's LinkedIn profile is up to scratch. Let's make sure that it's appropriate. Let's make sure that they know how to be using LinkedIn properly and then enable them in that way. There's also, it's a balance, right? Because you want to have a bit of control as well. You can't have people just going, and there's always one just going out there and doing, going rogue. So it's about yeah. keeping track of it, but also keeping sales excited because sometimes they just they get overexcited, don't they? And they start doing their own thing and the videos are out there. So there's always an element of control as well, which is hard. Mm-hmm. It's, hard to, it's hard to spend the time maintaining that governance and control as well. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. That's what I was just gonna say earlier. Like, how do you handle it? Like, have you ran into problems where, you know, um, it's been difficult to align with sales, or there's been pushback from like senior like leaders in like the sales unit who have kind of said we don't want the team to be like spending time on this. And I guess, but again, that yeah. does feed back into the whole buy-in from senior leadership and everybody to kind of want to do it because I think otherwise it it kind of can sometimes be seen as like a bit of a blocker um yeah do you know what I mean like it's like oh marketing I always have this I've had it in previous companies where it's like marketing need us to do this but really it's kind of you want it to be sales wanting to be part of that because they can see the value in progressing and I've come up against numerous challenges with that so for me um sales director being bought in is really really key because um yes anyone underneath him is going to follow his lead right so he needs to be bought in one really um basic um problem that I've had is salesforce etiquette so I found that I came into the company as an ABMR and I found that I was having to ask sales for lots of information so can you give me information on the DMU um, where is the information on who you're dealing with for this opportunity it's not in salesforce and then what quickly happens is i become a pain i become a thorn in sales side because i'm always asking them for information so i would say that their housekeeping all needs to be done before you can even start your abm and that's down to the sales director to do that shouldn't come from marketing what we don't want to become is housekeeping police right all the data should be there to allow me to sell serve as much as I can for that account. And then my interactions with sales are valuable and meaningful where we're talking about, okay, well, what's happening on that deal? How can we add value? Can you tell me what the pain points are? What's changed? And not, oh, um, have you filled in Salesforce with the right amount of um, ARR? And have you attached the right person? We're, we're not here to be admins. They should have all their house in order for us to come and add value and that's a challenge I've had also a challenge I've had is leaning on sales for maybe content um because we've not got a lot of time and that's less of a challenge now with some of the AI tools but before we would we would lean on sales to create some content and collateral with us sales are really really busy so it's really difficult to get them to pin down on stuff like that what you do find is though if you start to show value in one account people will start asking for ABM and that's one of the measurements on whether it's working well is, well, are people asking for it? Do people say they want ABM on their deal? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I think as well, like that is such a great piece of advice. It's almost like getting laying the foundations before you actually even get started with it. Because if you kind of get kick off on a bad note in terms of like not having everything ready, having to keep asking for sales, when we go to kind of like target the next account, it's going to be an issue because sales aren't going to want to do it because it was a painful process for them. Sure. And I have a checklist. So um, before I even start on the ABM account, I've got is Salesforce up to date? Um, do you know what your win themes are for this? Um, what's the history here? All those types of questions that I need information to build a picture. I won't start ABM an account unless I've got all of that information for sales. Sales are on the hook here. ABM isn't their silver bullet where if the ABM account's on, then I do all the work. It's about us both coming there, the yeah. rules of engagement. They've got expectations on me and I've got expectations on them. Yeah. Yeah, totally makes sense. Almost like wanting that like laid out before you even get started. Yeah, it's the give and the get, right? You get this, yeah. but you need to give that. Most definitely. Um, and then I get like one thing I've been thinking of, like while we've been talking, um, that I sort of comes up um a lot is if we start to embark on an ABM program and we provide things like sales collateral and maybe those things that aren't always easy to track just by like literally helping sales like move this deal along like what do you do in, in terms of like attribution for that deal um so, so how how does how do marketing like get recognized it's a really good question um I'm really lucky we've got a shared target I've worked in organizations before and what I find is really destructive or disruptive to just doing good work is when sales and marketing have separate targets so sales are responsible for 20% of pipeline and marketing are responsible for 80% for instance and then the conversation becomes well I gave you all this collateral when you secured that um that um deal so what does that mean for me or maybe it becomes well can you help sales with this well no they've hit their target I've still not hit my target so I don't want to spend any of my time on sales enablement I'm just going to do me because I'm not I'm not at my target yet and honestly I've really struggled for to find a balance on that Salespeople can be really guarded about their attribution piece so if they're like that what we always did is if your account is getting ABM support it's going to be tagged as an ABM account on the primary campaign source. That's a given. We're putting time, we're putting resource, we're supporting, it's being tagged. And then the source is wherever it came from. Um, now we have the same shared target. Things are much, we work much more harmoniously because we're spending our time focusing on doing the right thing rather than what's for the best interest of marketing and what's for the best interest of sales. So if you can share a target, I know it's not always as straightforward as that, but I definitely for sure recommend that. Um, if you can, then your primary campaign source is your important piece because that's where you can show where you're influencing. So, for instance, I would have campaigns set up for all the ABM accounts in Salesforce. If it's on the ABM one-to-one program, it's tagged as that. Um, yeah. It's on one of the industry um one to fuse then i've got a legal campaign vertical abm it's tagged as that so that means that you're reporting you can put how much pipeline is attributed to each campaign to show what you're nurturing and then the source can be um self-gen or sales sourced or webinar whatever however you yeah like like the first touch like Hallie, like Hallie basically came in yeah Mm. and then for the shared target is that like outside of ABM as well. So if you're doing like other, running other programs that weren't ABM. 
Yeah, we just have one shoot target overall. Yeah. And then how I meet that target is up to me. Do I do it by securing two huge deals through the ABM program? Then great. Do I do it through securing five small deals through our one to few? Then great. So we just have one overall new business target. And that's for pipeline build and a target for close. And we work together. I work with sales to think about, okay, well, what's the best way for all of us to meet this target? And it works really, really well. Yeah, it sounds very harmonious. It does actually sound great. Mm. And then I suppose in the same way that, um, I suppose it's like going to be different, like for different companies, but like in terms of budget, like how do you, how do you like kind of like place your bets? I suppose, like, do you have like one part where it's like, okay, I want to attribute X amount to ABM and the rest to, like, some other programs. Yeah, like one, one budget for ABM yeah. and demand gen. So yeah. what I'll do is um, at the start of the year, I will um, split that up. To It depends on what I want to use. A lot of people use agencies for their ABM. I have done in the past, but I've never had a budget that allows me to run all of my ABM out of an agency, but you can do that. A lot of people do it, really big companies, big budgets who don't have in-house ABM teams do it. A lot of ABM um, teams also um, outsource a lot of their work to agencies too, because as an ABMer, you're almost like a conductor in an orchestra where you're pulling together all the different parts. So you might want to outsource some of your design stuff. You might want to outsource some of your messaging houses you may, it depends on budget. I never work with someone end to end. I work with people to do different smaller bits for me. So I might work with someone um, to create um, an account messaging house, which is basically for each ABM account, I'll pull together some messaging around, okay, well, what is the official party line for sales and marketing to be aligned on? Kind of what's the official strap line? What's our value prop? What are the themes that we want to talk to them about that makes up the foundation? So I'll maybe work with someone, a specialist content writer for that. But then I do a lot of the other stuff myself, execution, because I just I don't have the I don't have the budget. Um I'd rather spend my budget on advertising and events yeah. and things that are gonna help me interact with those prospects and do as much as I can in-house and save money where I can. If I can use my in-house design team, great. Yeah, yeah. And then does do the um like do the ABM programs like structure as far as events? So if you're doing a one to few, um, you could do like a LinkedIn campaign, which we we've, we've spoken about. Um, but then would that stretch to like if you're seeing traction within that particular industry, is it then right we're gonna do a dinner or we're gonna do sure. our Sure. You know, so we do roundtables. Um what we what I'll do is say, okay, well, what's I'm quite lucky a lot of my pipeline would be made up of the one industry so it makes sense to focus on that industry for a round table um and then we might so I'll put budget in at the start of the year for two round tables but I don't know who's mm. going to make up those round tables till neither the time um my pipeline is most important nurturing that and building that so I'll focus on that and that industry will be my priority um, you can only do so much. That's so all about prioritization, right? Mm-hmm. With an infinite budget, we'd run a round table for every industry, but we can't. So maybe we have to work a bit smarter and do a mixed industry round table, but with a theme that all of them are interested in. Mm-hmm. You'd want to be as bespoke as you can and 
just one industry specific but we don't have the resource for that so we have to be a bit smarter about it and get a bit more bang for our buck so usually maybe be at that sort of one to few level yeah makes sense um so I feel like I could ask go on about OBM forever um but yeah I guess just last last sort of like question I guess um this has been so valuable so thank you so much um I guess um, as I mentioned, we're we're actually starting out ourselves in term in terms of like an ABM program. Um, have mapped out plans for one to one, one to few, all that kind of good stuff. Um, I suppose like speaking to myself and like anybody else who's like looking to get started, what would your advice be? Like like I guess like just the key things that you need to sort of have before. Um, so I would just always ask myself: Is ABM the right fit? Don't just do it because yeah. everyone's doing it. And if it is, what's the right fit? Have a blended approach. Don't put all your eggs in one basket and go big at the start. Start off with one pilot, do something okay. really well, prove the worth of it, and then ask for more, whether that's more budget or more headcount, mm-hmm. and then roll it out that way. Do less better. If you try and do three accounts at once, it's too much. Just do one alongside what you're doing. It's a low investment, it's low touch, but it's still enough to show a bit of value um, and show what, show what can be done with um, ABM. I would also think about, well, where do you want to do that ABM? Is it customer? Is there a customer that you've got um, a lot of upside with? Is there a lot of opportunity there? Then ABM could be the right approach. Or is there a customer that's at risk um, and you could do a bit of relationship building in there, really start to show value, really get under the hood with that account and turn things around? That can be a good one for ABM. Or is there a deal in flight that you think that you can add a lot of value to where you're penetrating that account where you're enabling sales where you're building in a bit of rigor where you can support around that bid process whether it's win themes or supporting writing rfis so i would choose one make sure you choose properly based on um all of the criteria that tells you what a good fit abm account is um and i would yeah i would definitely make sure that you're choosing if you're going to put all your eggs in one basket it's got to be a safe basket um i'd also make sure that sales were bought in and i would educate sales around what abm is and what it isn't it's a long-term strategic initiative it's not being on hand to support sales when they want a slide deck in two days time so (laughs) there's a lot of warrant i'd also sell them a bit of a dream of what abm what good abm does look like it's almost like a menu you can have x y and z we can support you on this work with us um i guess that would be my advice um from a working with sales perspective be commercial speak like a salesperson understand the pipeline understand their workflow workflow so that you can add value to that workflow um educate yourself around what's important to them and come to the table with that knowledge that can be a real challenge um if you're an abm person without a sales background that could be a challenge but you can learn um yeah. as time goes on it's a really good point actually speaking their language yeah, for sure it builds credibility yeah definitely well that was so valuable so thank you so much um I've certainly learned a lot I've been taking notes as we've been talking um as we start to look at launching our own ABM program so um so yeah thank you so much for joining me um and yeah I'm sure we'll chat again soon it'll be great yeah thank you for having me and happy to help